0: Hello, welcome. Thanks for clicking this button and joining us today for this message. Pastor KJ is here continuing our journey through the book of John and for you to stay connected with everything that is happening here at the church, you can just go under this video and there's the newsletter and you can ask for prayer and get to know everything that is going on here. So... Check that out. And after the message, Pastor Dudley and I are going to be here talking with KJ about all the topics that he's going to bring up. So stick around and here we go. Enjoy.
1: All right. So it is really good to be here and I'm excited about today's passage because there's this idea of coming home this this uh, this place that it brings us to like the centerpiece of the things that God is doing here in John chapter 6 uh, again like our church is doing a sermon series on the book of John we began at the beginning and it's going to be done by Easter and so to slowly just go through and see what the author of John, Who is John is doing and the intent that he has behind it? Something that I think I'm coming to a spot in as far as who I am. Just going through this sermon as a person or a sermon series as a person is, I tend to forget that that God is pursuing um, that the character of God is a character of pursuit. Like the whole story of the biblical journey is God chasing after people. And I think it's it's very easy to forget these things because it often feels um, kind of like I am in the, the seat that I control all things and I am going after God, trying to find him, trying to catch a glimpse of God, trying uh, to to just see him passing by super quick. And and if I can just grab onto him or own him just for a second. And, or it's just, it feels like this proverbial journey of hunger. And can, can God just give me the tiniest little speck of, are you out there? Yes, I am. I'll take it and grab onto it that I tend to forget that God actually is the God of pursuit, that the whole gospel journey and the story of the Bible, it isn't a God who's trying to play hide and seek, hoping that you catch a glimpse of him. It's like God is on full display coming Here, trying to show you, saying, do you see me? Um, Just beautiful, extravagant things that it seems like God's doing, but people who have eyes do not see or ears, they do not hear. Or like, it's that whole thing that Jesus often is talking about. And so this journey in the book of John is just like, wow, I have forgotten that the God that I'm seeking is actually seeking me um, and and there's this head shift um, that happens that's just like oh then just find me you know just just find me um instead of this uh this hungry desperate active pursuit in the swamps um the the overall journey i think Um, that I've gone on through this book has put the heart that I have kind of in this posture of, I'm just dying to see his face. The Hebrew people in the Old Testament had that same kind of heartbeat of just like, man, I just want to see God's face. I just want to see him. And there are all these prophecies in the Old Testament by the prophets um, that talk about a Day that that everything is going to be okay, and that God's boots are going to be on the ground, and 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 He will be here, and and the signs and the symbols that the prophets have done in the Old Testament, and the signs and the symbols that the prophets had done in the Old Testament are incredible. I've been uh, been just like all over the place exploring the different things that the prophets have been doing. I mean. I forgot. Like I forgot how incredible the prophets are. These human beings that the presence of God would come upon them and they caused the earth to stop spinning. They brought people back from the dead. They I mean like Incredible things! I was like, "Oh my gosh, how did I forget this?" But, but but all the things that the prophets are doing are pointing towards and proclaiming. There's this presence of the Holy Spirit that's going to be on the ground someday. All of this will be embodied um, by flesh and bone and blood. And you see what I'm saying. And so the Hebrew people kind of grasp onto this and said, "I'm just dying to see His face." so today's passage is in John chapter 6, and the story is the feeding of the 5,000. But before we get there, here's something I think is kind of fun, is the context that the feeding of the 5,000 happens and how John 5 ended. Because the gospel of John, it was supposed to like, someone's going to sit down, they're going to going to explore the whole gospel at the same time. It'll take a couple hours. And so John expected chapter 6 to follow chapter 5 and that it isn't broken up kind of into a whole bunch of sermons. So it's important to to understand the context of John chapter 6 and how John got there. So John 5 ends um, by this engagement that Jesus had in talking to holy people who had been confronting him about healing on the Sabbath and and different things. And, and Jesus is basically claiming to be the Son of God or God. And th- then he confronts these people and says, you don't know... <laughs> Moses, so you don't know me. And that's kind of like the summary. And it's like, wait a second, I don't even know what that means. So the Hebrew people saw the the first five books of the, of the Bible, and they called that the Torah. And the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, um, they would call it the bread of God. Um, and they would also call it the uh, the books of Moses. And so if someone dropped the idea of Moses, they are pointing to this idea of the first five books, the Torah and, and and who God is supposed to be during his time that, that he's here on the earth. He is supposed to have Torah pumping through his veins, uh, how he thinks is Torah and And this prophet, um, who I'm going to talk about just a very tiny bit because I think it's really important here in in John 5 when Jesus says, you do not know... Mm Moses, so you do not know me because Torah is pumping through his blood. Who is this guy? So the Hebrew people saw him as a great prophet. He was a Hebrew who was born and then got adopted kind of into Egyptian priesthood uh, through a whole series of things. He was then cast out into the Desert. He climbed up Sinai, encountered God, and God told him to set the Hebrew people free. He goes back, kind of into this huge place that that people are enslaved. That God cares about the children of God, and so he goes back in the place he was born into, and he says, "I'm going to set these people free." And there are the ten plagues that happen, and then he takes the Hebrew people. He parts the sea. There's this journey that they go on. They find themselves before this great hill and Sinai and God's at the top. And then there's this idea of the prophet who goes up and down this this thing, you know? And then he'll come down and say, here's what God said, or here's what God's doing. And and during this time, God is feeding his people by sending bread from heaven. Um, and it's this idea of subsidence, right? God and the prophet. And the Hebrew people see this time as a very fond, fond, holistic, that God pursued them. Again, it's this idea of pursuit, that God pursued them in their slavery, brought them out, parted the sea, baptism, and then puts them into the desert and then creates this guy who's this, major prophet who eventually brings down Torah that hand, that God inscribes and he brings them down the books, right? This is a thing. And then this idea of the bread and the people being sustained. And this is the place that the Hebrew people and God had something. Um, they had something. And and so th- this is, is something that sh- you could kind of put yourself in as a Hebrew person of thinking about the time of the prophets, um, the times that God was palpable, the times that that the signs of the prophets um, and God speaking and doing things was very valuable. And so John 5 ends by Jesus saying, you don't know m- Moses, so you don't know me. And so, so as a Hebrew pr- person, you would put yourself in that context, thinking about the, the Torah. You're thinking about Sinai. You're thinking about the bread from heaven. You're thinking about the parting of the sea. You're thinking about the the, the Hebrew king born into Egypt and, and then being cast out in t- t- to exile. Um, you're thinking about the 10 plagues. You're thinking about the promised land, and you're thinking about salvation for all of your people and there's going to be a time that the prophets come back there's this idea that the torah isn't going to be on tablets it's going to be in flesh and blood and god will speak to us you see what i'm saying here and so that's how john 5 ends is he's accusing the holy people you forgot okay like that's what's happening you forgot about torah you forgot the exodus journey you forgot So that's how it ends. And then the story of John 6 happens. So pull out your Bibles, John 6. It's the first half. Here it is. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs. Hold on. So he crossed the sea and a great crowd of people followed him. Oh, do you see a parallel? Okay. He had performed, uh, a, a great crowd of people followed him because he saw, they saw signs he had performed by healing of the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. That also is a something to circle. This is the time of Passover again. So anytime you hear Passover, it brings you back to Egypt. All right. Verse five. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five barley loaves and two fish, but how far will they go amongst so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaf, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Nothing is to be Wasted, So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who came into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountainside by himself. So I'm hoping that you can begin to start to see these different things that shimmer and shine kind of as John is telling the story of the feeding of the 5000 because this is a very common story like the feeding of the 5000 is told in Tiny tots and and like Bible studies and and it's it, 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 it's typically taught from this perspective of man how cool is g- God or you give God your talents and he can you know cause them to to go super far and that's true but you gotta ask is that what John is really going for here and having been a part of this journey for five chapters, I think our church is beginning to understand some of the character of John and how intentional he is. And so um, don't forget this idea of the prophets. Don't forget this idea of the signs and that there are seven signs in the gospel of John. And in that context, in the seven signs, the feeding of the 5,000 is the centerpiece. It's like, it's the place that they all like come together and they inform all, like, it's the aha, it's the folding, it's the everything's gonna be different from this point on. The the signs that have brought us here are pointing toward the feeding of the 5,000 and then the feeding of the 5,000 kind of b- bends in on itself and says, from this point on, you interpret everything by the son of God has boots on the ground. Um, so there's a lot happening at the feeding of the 5,000, especially thinking about this context that John 5 ends in like, you have forgotten the prophets. You have forgotten Torah. You have forgotten. So of course you have no idea who I am. There's a lot going on there. You forgot. And it's easy to forget that God is a God who pursues. God is a God who chases. That the one you are trying to find is trying to find you. There's something really beautiful about that. And Jesus is standing right in front of them going, I'm right here. And then the feeding of the 5,000 happens. So there's this huge crowd of people who follow Jesus across the sea of Galilee because they have seen the signs and they have seen his healings. They have seen what he's doing. This is like the pinnacle. He is popular. He's doing things. People are talking about him. People are like, we need him. We are hungry spiritually, physically. I just cross the board. Like, can he heal me? You know? And so you have to think like, everyone here in this place has probably something that that if they're 100% sure that they could be healed on they're going to like and then you think about a whole country here's someone who could actually heal everybody so there's this huge crowd of people who has seen and heard the things that Jesus is doing and they're going yes please and so they're even going to follow him across a sea of Galilee and that's really beautiful and so this whole crowd comes and and they are out on this hillside a bunch of super cool things happen on hillsides in the gospel story um, think about that for a bit too so they're on a hillside and and there are about 5,000 people there or there's beyond that but um, and so Jesus turns to Philip and he says hey how should we feed all of these people? And here's something I think is, is very, very fun or, or cool. Um, so John goes on to explain that Jesus already had a plan, but he asked Philip this to test him. So pause button here on this idea of testing. Um to test what is happening in this context and then how is this happening in this form of discipleship because i don't think jesus is trying to expose philip as being an idiot right he's trying to help philip see and philip and the disciples have been a part of john chapter 5 this this whole like you have forgotten I'm gonna help you see, right? And, send, and then the thing that they're trying to say like, okay, so if you are who you say you are, okay, I'm gonna, it's like that kind of thing. So, so Jesus is here and he's asking Philip a question in hopes of inspiring and teaching and getting an answer. It isn't to shame Philip. So you do not shame Philip because he has a bad answer, right? He was a participant in this holy experiment. So, so he asked Philip, how should I feed all these people? And then he thinks very practically. And I think that's okay. There's a ton of people who think practically, especially people who forget about the incredible things that the prophets have done. So he thinks very practically and he's like, man, Jesus, there's a lot of people here. Like, can you even imagine feeding all these people? It would take forever to pay for just a bite for all of these people to eat food. Here's the thing. Was Jesus asking Philip how should I feed these people? It's very easy to say, of course he was. That's what he asked. But I believe the thing he was asking Philip is, who do you think I am? (laughs) Who, (laughs) why am I crying? I have no idea. He was asking, who do you say I am? Like, Like throughout these five chapters, throughout our journey, who am I to you? Right? And and so the fact that this question had been asked, how do I feed these people? Do you see me as a human being? Or do you see me as the prophet? Or do you see me as God on the face of the earth? Who do you see me as? And how Philip answered, had been this very practical, all right. So, as a helper here, as you know, human beings kind of like trying to get things d- done here, here's our best course that can happen. And I really don't think it's really practical because, and that's what Philip did, all right. So, I'm going to hit the pause button here because I, I think that Philip simply forgot, like, and that's okay because during this time period, and okay, I'm someone who proverbially forgets everything. As soon as someone comes and says, hey, can I have helped you? Do it? I'll be like, yes, but I'm going to forget. So you're going to have to tell me before it happens. Call me, text me. And so I think it's all right for people to forget things. And especially for Philip, who's put on the spot by God himself. You know what I'm saying? But There's this passage before going any further at all that I'm dying to bring in. Because for us to engage this passage of the feeding of the 5,000, it is good for us to go back to things that have been forgotten, right? And and some of the things that have been forgotten are in the prophets and they're buried deep in there. For instance, the the book of 2 Kings, it's probably been a super long time since some of you have been in the book of 2 Kings. And there's this passage that to teach the story of the Phoenix 5,000, this story in the Second Kings is pretty important. So uh, here it is. A man from bashal Sholai, or a city hard to pronounce, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread, Break from the first ripe grain along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, asked his servant. Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what God says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord." So in second Kings, there's this group of a hundred people. They are an army and they are starving. And there's this guy who comes up to the prophet Elisha and says, all I have is this barley bread. And then the prophet says, go and set it before the army. And the guy says, well, no how am I going to set this before a hundred people? And then the prophet says, go and do it and they will have extra. And that is exactly the thing that happened. And that is the only time barley bread is talked about in the Old Testament. It's this idea of barley bread, the first fruits and first grains we put together. It's kind of like a, a, a barley bread is like the shape of a Pita, um, they aren't that big. Um, they're for poor people. Um, it's barley bread. I don't know. So anyway, there's a story in Second Kings about the prophet who took barley bread and 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 he set it before an army of a hundred people, and they ate and were full and had extra. Okay. So this is important. This is in Second Kings, chapter four, verse forty-two. Through forty four, that's in there. Um, so, so go back, check it out, and so remember who who God is supposed to be during this time, like the prophets incarnate, the the Torah incarnate, f- flesh and bone and blood, and the signs of the prophets. So, John five, you don't know me because you don't know. The Torah. You don't know me because you forgot the prophets. You don't know me because you forgot. And so he's bringing people here. They cross the Sea of Galilee. Gal- There's a ton of hungry people. He turns to Philip to test him. Why? Because he just got done saying, Here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. You don't see me because you forgot the prophets. So the test is do you remember the prophets? Okay, so Philip is like, you know, here's the answer. It'd be very expensive to feed all these people. Andrew. Okay, so so historically, here's something cool about Andrew. Um, so Philip, Andrew, and Peter are from the... The same hometown, so so in the Bible, anytime th- th- that he pops up, there's simply Philip is there and Peter's th- 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 there, also like they hang out together, they have the same vocabulary, same upbringing, they probably grew up together. So that's just kind of a fun side note. So, Philip is being tested by Jesus, how should we feed these 5,000 people? I don't know, it's gonna be expensive. Then, Andrew. If the question is, do you remember the prophets? Do you see me? Do you know who I am? Then Andrew says, here's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. Barley loaves comes back and all of a sudden, everything begins to shimmer. If you're Jewish. Because the only time that you have heard of Barlow's is in 2 Kings. So here's something that I just want to kind of hug at this this point in time. It's typically at this point, it's so Andrew is coming and he's really skeptical. And here's all the food that is here. It's like, there's probably tons of food out there. People have prepared. People have been hiking. People bring food. They... This is their culture. And and so it isn't like there are 5,000 people out there and the only person who has bread or fish is this boy who only has these five pita breads. That there are other options out there. I'm sure of it. And and so I so as I engage this text, the the heart posture of Philip versus the heart posture of Andrew is very different. So, so so do you remember what the prophets did? Because I come burying that same Holy Spirit. The cloud parting descended on my baptism type of you know thing. And do you remember? Do you know who I am? Who do you say I am, F- Philip? How do the prophets feed these people? Right. That's what's going on here. Do you see? I don't know. That'd be very expensive. Andrew, man, his hope. You got to remember the Hebrew people. They are hoping for something soon. They are hoping for the signs of the prophets. And it was like he saw the test and he threw the test back. That That's how I see it. Because out of everything out there, he's searching the barley loaves. And so you picture, you know, Jesus there claiming to be who he's claiming to be. Then Andrew saying, I think I've got it. And so he brings this boy and says, this boy has five barley loaves, as if there's this secret connection and you can almost feel Jesus going, darn right. That's barley loaves, I do things with barley loaves. And there's something there. And the fact that there's five, that's important too, especially after coming from the end of John five and this idea of Torah and the five loaves of bread and, the five books of Torah, like come on, and so and and so, so this these barley loaves are given for the first time since Second Kings, and then Jesus takes the barley loaves and blesses them and says, pass them out to everyone who is hungry and collect the extras. It is like he is quoting Second Kings, like collect the extras. There'll be plenty left over. And at that point in time, you have to think about the group of people that is, that is, is hovered here and they are hearing because the Jewish people are the experts on the Torah and the prophets and, you know, and they know this. And so as he is speaking, this idea of Torah incarnate and prophet incarnate and, oh my God, gosh, what is happening? And then there's these baskets of bread and you got to picture the 12 disciples are going out and they dig their arms in and they're passing and they put them out and passing and passing and passing. And you have to think about the hearts of the disciples in this moment, right? Like that would just be fun to participate in because they, they are participating in a story that they had heard about that happened in second Kings. It's like second Kings is happening right now. It's like the time of the prophets is right now. It's like, it's happening right now. And all the signs pointed towards this, but it's actually happening. And then you got to think about from the posture of the people in the crowd, because you got to think they didn't have a system at this time. Like the conversations that happened between between Jesus and Philip and Jesus and the Andrew and the boy and all the things, they didn't hear it. There's 5,000 people hoping to be healed. There's 5,000 people hoping to just grasp onto something. They are hunting God, right? Like that whole posture I brought up in the beginning, if we can just catch a glimpse of him, maybe we can and there are baskets overflowing of food for them that is being passed out. And they have no idea where it comes from. Like there are people in this crowd has no idea what has happened and they are participating in like the apex experience of God on earth and they don't have any idea. They're just hungry. And God feeds them. And that is the grace of God to all of us who do not see. We do not understand. We don't know. We just know that we are really hungry. But God has already made the table. God has already prepared the bread. God has already had a plan before he asked Philip, how do we feed all these people? He already knew. There's something really cool about that. There are, are some of us here in the space and in, you know, like just saying, you know, it's it's so cool who he is, but I am in a really, really broken, hungry, destroyed place, and everything is falling apart, and I just want to touch his cloak and be healed. If I could just catch his glance for 10 seconds. But it seems that the th- The God that you are trying to find has been trying to find you all along, and He just invites you to sit down in the grass and eat the bread that He already had prepared for you before you even got there. That is a brilliant thing. Furthermore, there's this idea of some of us that are like, man, I'm just dying to do things for Jesus. I'm dying to, to be, you know, to help people and bring healing and prayer. And I'm just dying to be used and I'm dying to have purpose. And I'm dying, but it's going to be pretty expensive to do that. I don't know how this is all going to be like the heartbeat of Philip, you know, grace and peace to him. Like I love him because that's how I think. But then there's the heart of Andrew that's like, man, if you are who you say you are and you better be, um, I am cashing in because I have heard the stories of the great prophets. And and if you are who you say you are, you are going to do incredible things. And the whole time, Jesus is having this perspective of, do they see me? Do they see me? Do they see the God who is like pursuing them hard? I am on full display. I'm going from town to town. I'm bringing healing. And I didn't just go from town to town. I came from heaven to earth. I, like, I, I have journeyed towards people hard. I'm speaking their vocabulary. I'm in their skin. I'm, I'm with them. Do they see me? Who do you say I am? And there's a lot in that test and they are fed bread by the hands of God. And you would have to think, you would have to think throughout this whole journey that the whole story begins to shimmer for these people who crossed the sea of Galilee because Towards the, the, the end, people, their eyes begin to open up and they say, Surely he is the prophet. And and biblically, these are in caps. The, the, the prophet. It's the prophet to end all prophets. It's the the it is him. It is circle the prophet. Surely it is him. And it causes this fear for Jesus that they are going to turn him into a king by force. And I think there's something really beautiful about that passage because it's a big passage because it causes Jesus to go to a mountain again by himself. Who else would actually do that to go encounter God? And so he's... He just gets done feeding these 5,000 people, these five barley loaves turned into, they all ate and they were full. It, it isn't like they just had bites. They were full. They were burping and they couldn't go anywhere. Like bellies full. And then they come back and have twelve full basket. Some people say this is like the poetry of the the f- five books of Torah, all of a sudden shattered and put together and uh, expanded into 12 baskets in abundance and 12 tribes and 12 disciples to the ends of the... See, there's a lot there in these 12 baskets of bread. But as people saw this, it caused Jesus to see that they are gonna turn me into a king by force. And understandably so, because think about the times of people who encounter God, or the times that, that 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 you have encountered God, or catched a glimpse, or grabbed his cloak, or had a God encounter, or or there was something that was really profound to you. Tell me the thing that that from a human perspective that you try to do or what I do, I try to own that. I own it and recreate it or suck it dry or do it over and over and over again or i do you, i force him to be things that he potentially does not have any intention of being has has jesus has has the bible has has our faith oftentimes become something by force at the hands of human beings that God didn't ever have an intention for it to be at all. So instead of, instead of this idea that, that Jesus is going in the provision of the prophets as the son of God, in the, there's a path that is paved. It is the intention of people as they said, oh my gosh, it is him to capture him and put a crown on him and put him on a human throne and say, he is going to perform our agenda. And he says, no, I'm going up to... Mm meet with God up top of Sinai. And it hadn't been Sinai, but this is the thing that the people there saw. Here Here is a guy who is claiming to be prophet and they see him as prophet and he crosses the Sea of Galilee. They follow him. They are on a hillside. They are hungry. He takes bread, blesses it, and they are fed bread. And then he goes off by himself and climbs high to experience God. Who is he saying that you forgot the same person that they forgot in John 5 at the end. Because you don't know Moses, you don't know me. And so it's like he in type and shape and form and all things performs this all prophets journey of the Exodus story and putting people in it, being fed bread from heaven, crossing the sea, being sustained, and then going, wow, I am seen by God himself. And then him saying, you cannot own me. It's time for me to go. I think there's something really, really beautiful about this idea, first of all, of who do you say he is? Because if you really believed that Jesus is God, I mean, like really believed, how would everything be different for you? I mean, like picture yourself being Philip and Andrew. Okay, because I, I think like our typical answers to things is are the, the answers that Philip gives. It's it's the practical. It's I I, I don't expect too much. It's it, I, I'm here for it. I I get the idea, but if you really believed, like from the essence of your soul, that Jesus is who He says He is, how would the answers you give? be completely different. What would it be like to be like Andrew? Like to have that, the hope of Andrew, the faith of Andrew, the experience of Andrew, the challenge of Andrew, this idea of like, man, I think I see where you're going. So in those times that there is a a desire that's dropped in your heart, that it isn't the, the, the up thing of like, wow, oh, man, that's really expensive. I don't know how I'm going to practically make this way. Or, man, I see, I think, where you're going. Because I've seen this story play out before, and are you calling me? Because if you're calling me, I'm about to participate in something really incredible. What would it be like to be the people in the crowd who are just honest and say, I just need bread today. I'm just hungry today, and I'm broken And I'm just hoping to catch a glimpse of him. I really can't hear him. To you, that is A-OK, because there is plenty of bread to go on forever. The big question I go home and think about is, how do I engage who I am and who he is after I've experienced him? Do I give Jesus the ability to go off so I can follow him? Or do I have the desire to put him kind of in shackles so I can put a crown on him and put him there on a throne so he can do the things that I have a desire for him to do. Um, There's this practical heartbeat of like, do I have the desire to follow Jesus? Because from this point on in John chapter six, this is all about this idea of discipleship and going forward. There is a following that takes place. Do you have a desire to follow Jesus or just to simply point at him and said, I was there? So that's our engagement for today. I pray that you um, have have seen things that you have not seen. I pray that you have heard things that you have not heard. I pray that there's this idea that has begun to shift for you, that the God that you have been pursuing is pursuing you. Sit in the grass, eat bread. This is the best place you could possibly be be. Lord, thank you for preparing places for us in all the places we are at this point in time. Jesus, thank you for being a God who pursues, speaks our vocabulary, goes after us, tests us, gives us opportunity, feeds us bread, brings us back from the dead, heals us, causes us to see, causes us to hear. Thank you for being a God who is doing the same things, that you have been doing since the very beginning. Help us to be in awe by the journey you've invited us on and seeing things that we have never seen before. In Christ I pray, amen.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this conversation part, KJ. Thank you for that. I, so I wanna start off by saying how inspiring and refreshing it is to go through a passage that, if you've been, you know, a Christian for a while, if you've, been, if you've been around the church for a while, and you're so familiar, but how much to be uncovered and discovered, and the depth uh, that you brought today—that was incredible. I'm like doing all sorts of research and going deeper into, you know, what all you inspired me to think, and all the things that I want to mm-hmm. go from here. But,
2: I agree, Mariana, because yes. I think there are at least, like, several significant things that I hadn't really thought about before, and that's inspiring because, you know, you you, you listen to a message and you think, well, yeah, it's a really well-known passage, but after this message, there are some things I want to go back and look at again because I feel like, wow, yeah, that was really helpful, that was interesting, that was inspiring, and So uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 And I
0: think ultimately, I think so many people have a hard time like, well, did you you still hear people that will say, oh, did Jesus really actually say he was God? He never said, I am God. But it's all these stories that have so much revelation Mm -hmm. that all each story that we go through, it's the proof that he is God. And if... If you just don't pay attention, it's easy to miss it. and mm-hmm. it's amazing to understand all the links to what was yeah, happening.
2: I agree. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'd like to just jump in because I was thinking yes. um, this whole like um, response that, the, between Philip and uh-huh. Andrew and how that's different, I think that's very intriguing to me. And bringing out this just that you know Philip comes and he says, well, here's the mathematical equation of what we have in front of us it either works or it doesn't work and uh, frankly jesus it's not going to work <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there's that response and then there's the the response of andrew right. and this is something so intriguing to me it's like andrew is 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 listening and he's seeing the situation and i really think that there was a, a something going on in his mind you could like just see it working and i'd never thought of it like this it was like, Wow, second kings, second kings, (laughs) barley. I'm going to go look through all these thousands of people and find somebody who's got barley loaves and come with barley loaves.
0: Because we've seen that multiplied in the past. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And he was really thinking biblically. It's like, I'm going to allow the the Torah to inform my response to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's how we as Christians need to live because we are constantly doing the math about everything or the science behind everything instead of allowing the Bible to inform and you know, to determine how we're going to respond. So. Right. I
0: think I love that I think there were those two points that you make. I'm sorry, I want to ask you questions too, but um yeah, but go for the it. things that I was sitting on was these two instances where we make it about us, right? Yeah. Philip and Andrew, he's like, well, here's here's what I can do or even I'm gonna I'm gonna impress Jesus on how' it's, like jesus, i I did the math. It would take this much money. It would take this much work. and are you ch- aren't you so proud how I could figure out myself? It's The answer is that it's impossible, but I think it's the, it's yeah. all about me rather than it's all about him. But then at the end, when you bring that they wanted to make him king, like they wanted, it's their gender, it's all what, what they want. Mm-hmm. I was yeah, just... Yeah, that's really... Oh feels- my gosh, there was so much being uprooted in my mind of life. Life, how often our... Instinct response mm-hmm. is our what's my own capacity? What's my thinking? What's my agenda? Mm-hmm. What's my expectation compared to having the biblical perspective? Or, but what is Jesus here to do? Or what is he doing compared to when you said that? Like they want to put a crown on his head. It's even painful to hear, mm-hmm. but so true in so that, many ways.
2: That our j- life. just indicates that. We fall into this trap regularly of wanting to manipulate God into our plans instead of following him. And the definition of discipleship is following Jesus, as you mentioned. And I think that's where I, at that last point that you're making, uh, Marianne, it's like, wow, do I want to follow Jesus or am I... Wanting Jesus to follow me in my direction and in my plans. So that was another really helpful yeah. kind of point for me. I think there's great application coming out of this passage.
0: Right. <laughs> How but did you also, feel about
2: I, it, KJ? Yeah. I know.
0: I do want to say one more thing because I love yeah. that it's not about shaming, like what you said about oh, Philip.
2: Yeah, there was a But point it's there. that
0: inspiration of, do you see who I am? And Jesus' question. So it's not like, Oh, Dudley, I can't believe you're still doing that. Just like Philip or me. No, it's like Jesus is inviting us. Do you see? Look, guys, do you see? Uh Look who I am. And that's thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Uh,
1: And I think it's it's cool that that is a perpetual thing. I mean, like that happens till the very end Uh, for all of the Gospels. It's like he's at the end. It's like do you see me now? And they're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> nope. I don't, I don't know. You know? And like, Still and, and know. like <laughs> very even times, following the time that he came back from the dead, he's standing in front of him and they're like, I don't know. Let me touch and you make you sure. Give us some hints. Yes. <laughs> How about you give us some hints, you know? And, and I think that brings just like a ton Gosh. of comfort of, uh, uh, of like, yeah. to be a disciple of Jesus, uh, I do mm. not have to 100% understand Or buy in, or I mean, I don't know. Like because the actual physical disciples, they're they are simply defined by they follow him. Yeah. And the answers that they give sometimes are really bad ones. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. they didn't get it right all the time.
2: Exactly. They're a a little wishy-washy at times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And and so it's kind of like the point. The point for Jesus hadn't been to get the answers; the point had been for them to continue to follow. Mm-hmm. And I think okay. there's something really cool in that. Yeah. Mm. yeah,
0: something that you didn't get. I I know there was so much that you said. I didn't even go here and there. And if there's any anything that you would like to bring up, this is a great opportunity. But one thing that you told me off off camera that you didn't go to that part was that this was the first time Jesus actually invited them to sit. Yeah. And I think that is just mm-hmm. that in itself is like, here's a crowd. How would we respond if there's this crowd and everybody wants to see things and, you know, it's your time to shine. It's like, well, let's stop and sit.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like how I picture it. I, I mean, I'm, so I'm a very like, visual kind of guy and I just picture people that are hurting and they're just dying to be healed and they're bringing people to be healed and, and they're not here like to hear him or like we're here to hear a sermon like it's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they have seen the signs they've seen him healed and like he is growing and like just the people elbowing yeah. and, like getting, trying to get in you know like I, I yeah, kind of yeah, feel yeah. that and like people it's hot and sweaty and I don't know. I just don't see a whole bunch of like holy people being calm, set for church. (laughs) And
0: it's desperate people needing help. Yeah. That's that's what what I think. Yeah. Desperate Uh people needing help. And,
1: and I mean, in the text, it says there was plenty of grass.
0: And like, is it like uh, Psalm 23? Is that what you're picturing? I I do. Uh I do.
1: I go there. I probably, Uh but I couldn't put that in a sermon, but that's the place I go. There's, and and John intentionally says there was plenty of grass and, and Jesus told the disciples to tell the crowd to sit. Uh And I just think there's so much beauty in that posture. Especially because, so in the other gospels, so as Jesus does his Sermon on the Mount, mount, it's the same thing. There was plenty of grass on the hillside and Mm. Jesus sat down. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems that incredible things happen from this posture of sitting in the grass Mm -hmm. um, compared to the angry... Uh, I'm gonna f- fight for things mm-hmm. posture. So what? About, I don't
0: know. <clears throat> what ha- it's yeah, coming from this. I'm place starting of just rest thinking and- a
2: little bit out loud, but <clears throat> this is the scene sitting in the grass. The beginning says it's taking place at Passover, yeah, yeah. which takes us back to Egypt. Right. And after the Passover, they're wandering in a wilderness. Right. I mean, which they're in a wilderness grassy. setting, but not grassy. But it's this sense of like lostness and being rushed here and rushed there and acting here and doing this and doing that and getting lost here and getting lost there. And it's a very different kind of situation mm. at the time of the Passover now. Yeah. So I, I was just thinking about the, the contrast. Mm-hmm. If we don't forget the, the Torah. Right. <laughs> but we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so.
0: But it's so beautiful, yeah, bringing back to all the symbolisms that you're talking about, how the people were fed bread in the yeah. desert and Jesus is feeding them bread, you know.
2: And later in this chapter, he is the bread of yeah. life.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it, it, it's so fun because I almost, like, have how I, like, feel it. It's, it's So it isn't just a symbol to him. Like, he is doing it. He is... He had mm-hmm. been there, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like, "Do you see me? Do mm-hmm. you see what I'm doing? Do yeah. you? Who yeah, do you think yeah. I am?" Like, yeah. I, I think that's this, this question that that's very, very silent behind the whole text. It's, "Do you see me now? Do yeah. you see me now?" Mm-hmm. Um, be, because following this text. The, the story that follows, it's the story of the healing of the blind man
0: mm. in John 9. Yeah, Sneak peek for next week. A <laughs> couple
2: <laughs> I mean, like,
1: weeks away. But but th- that's the thing. Yeah. It, so so how the g- gospel had been intended to be experienced, but I'm going to sit down, right. I'm going to start at the beginning, and I'll go t- yes. t- to the end. It, mm-hmm. it didn't have the intention tension of being broken up and right. s- so f- following th- this i am seeing the exodus story i'm seeing things i have never seen before mm-hmm. i'm seeing second kings i'm seeing all the prophets like beginning to pop up oh my gosh he's the prophet i am seeing things yeah. the yeah, blind like- man's being healed i am the blind man i'm seeing the forest of trees like what is going on yeah, uh-huh. yeah. at the pool right. you know like uh-huh. it's just like back to the pool back to, back the, to pool. the pool and yeah, so it's go. just like So I hope. I I mean, if it's that that the overall just fun, Mm -hmm. the fun of experiencing mm-hmm. the biblical text. I hope that's coming across because yeah. it is fun. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um,
2: These are not dry and, words just to read <laughs> quickly no. and oh, check goodness. off on a no. box.
1: Yeah.
0: So but, I want to bring this up because when you preached last time and you, you you laid out on the board all the seven signs and how this is the middle of the chiasm um, and you mentioned the pool, the symbolism with the baptism. So... If we have a minute to maybe, um, y- you said how th- back then you said how this point, meal. yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Can yeah.
0: can you just refresh us on the this being the epicenter of all the signs?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so how um, so, so a chiasm? Uh, uh, so it's a form of Hebrew poetry that um, that there are parts of the bible um that are these chiastic experiences there are some people who will say that the entire bible is a chiasm and that's kind of fun and um so it's this idea that um how something how it's going to begin is how it's going to end and then the second thing in is going to inform the second to the ending and then the third and then the fourth and then there's this Pivotal point um, that there's a turning uh, that helps you inform all of the stories that have happened are informed by the things that are to follow, and um, that apart from the other half of the chiasm, it's half of the experience. It's half of the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's it's hard to explain, but. But um, but so so for a Hebrew chiasm that there's this there's the turning point. It's like this centerpiece that that does not have to be informed by something else. It like spells it out. It's like, "Hey, idiot."
0: And'm I'm, endom-
1: <laughs> I'm gonna spell it out for you if, if you don't see this. Uh-huh. Just put the book down and go somewhere else. Like that's how it feels. And so, so the feeding of the 5,000, it is that,
0: it's that, that pivotal
1: point. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I'm going to spill it out. Mm-hmm. And from this point on, the things that follow are going to inform everything else that I've said.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And the things that I've said are going to be a p- poetic expression of everything that's to come. So expect there to be the baptismal fats v- v- that, that are empty and then filled and then turned into wine. That's going to happen again. Expect uh, the healing of the official son and someone coming back from the dead because that's going to happen again. Expect the someone who's paralyzed,
0: paralyzed to
1: get up and walk because... That type of healing, it's going to happen again,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so so, so that that's the thing that John's doing on the second half, uh-huh. but from a whole other perspective,
0: which we're entering well, in well, in now,
1: which we're into in because ship. your perspective is, oh, I was so blind before, I didn't see. Surely he is the prophet who has fed us bread, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. so there you go.
0: That's so good, yeah, I love it. So, so this is the the yeah, it's, center it's a centerpiece. It
1: but I mean, it's very easy, you know, to bring in the whole symbol, and people often do and say. So at this point, I, I mean, like Jesus is breaking bread; he is breaking, like yeah, so mm-hmm. it is the type and sh- shape kind of him breaking his body mm-hmm. um, and passing it out for 5,000 people and multiplying it, 12 Man. baskets, 12 tribes going out. like right. His right. body is for everyone. Yeah. You I was saying? Saying? It yeah. goes back to
2: John 1, the like, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the Amen. world, yeah. everyone. Yeah. So.
1: yeah. 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 And I'll- and so so it's very easy to go there. Um, so like Again, there's, there's just a ton of. I mean, I huh. someone could do a sermon on the feeding of the five thousand for every Sunday until the <laughs> end of time, and it's going to be different <laughs> because right. there's, there's so, a lot to cover. So absolutely, yeah. the, one of the points that you're making, I'd like to just kind of like
2: reiterate, is we we can read that story in John six, and identify with Philip and Andrew in the story, but. John is writing this gospel, and he has people that he's intending, you know, his community yeah. of people. So, there's, there's the second level, and we sometimes miss that second level of person, you know, the people that are reading the story that John is writing. They're not living, they're not Philip and Andrew, but they're the people that, right. are, that are living with John, and yep. you know, he's teaching every Sunday or every day, and right. so there's that level that… Um, I think is valuable to keep in mind. Yeah. So uh, all right,
1: so cool. I, I got to ask you s- s- something here, and it's just like a personal opinion yeah. on things that can't be academic because right. you can't prove it. it's all like speculation. But the Gospel of John, you know, he he always kind of he, he talks about himself quite a lot. Like he'll call himself the the
2: beloved, the
1: beloved the. Boy, but there was a b- boy in the garden, and people speculate that he was talking about himself, that he was the boy in the g- 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 garden. And s- I also have heard people speculate that um, the only gospel that talks about there being a boy is in the b- Gospel of John, mm-hmm. as far as the feeding of five thousand. And mm. some people say that he that th- that they believe the boy had been John. Oh, have. Have I You never ever heard, heard this?
2: No, I've never oh, heard that. Oh man! Or thought about that. Yeah, I was okay. So maybe I'll go back and look. Yeah, no, I'm like, okay, let's I'm
0: look, like, it let's look, look it up. Of course, you can't
1: prove the it. The feeding of the five
2: thousand does appear in all four gospels.
1: Correct. Yes, the, the cross it's the, the, the only arc. story, but how it's t- told is so it's different. different. It's the only gospel that um, that talks about the. Parley loaves. Um, so, so, the other ones, the that other say ones, breads? yep, it's uh, okay. just this uh-huh. bread. Uh-huh. Bread. Um, so it's the only gospel that the, the, that the fish that's talked about. It, it, so it's like these cut up hunks of fish compared to. The other gospels, it's like a whole fish.
2: Like a, instead of a dried fish, it's like yeah. pickled fish. Yeah, maybe. yeah. It's
1: these hunks of fish that yeah. are in John. But in the other ones, it's like, yeah. there's a fish. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and so he has these things that are, are kind of fun to explore. Right. So, Do yeah. you
0: think, obviously, <laughs> they were all there.
1: Who was so, all there? The, the disciples, yeah.
0: the writers of the gospels, right? They all, oh, no, that's not true, Luke. Uh, no hold on hold on mark am i lying here no, <laughs> mark are not hold there. on hold on yeah, Forget like, that. Part. no 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 forget this i was thinking of matthew yeah forget yeah. forget my point okay. the thing is they they know the story okay yeah why the question is why does john bring up these things and i think one of the things that i speculate is because he was the last one And he had told this story how many times and the things that he was, the points that that he was able to connect. Like, oh my gosh, this is like this. Don't you think that he spent the rest of his life looking back?
1: I don't know. It's... Possible, 100%.
0: Because you can't possibly pick up on everything that is happening in front of you, even for us, as it's happening. A lot of times it takes going in, you know, the future and and then you think about it. Uh, uh, He uh, was the last one to write.
1: Yes, I get that. I also think, so depending on the person I'm talking to, how I tell a story is going to be very different. Mm -hmm. And like... I'm gonna true. say the same s- s- story, s- but sometimes I'm gonna bring out it. things yes. that I didn't bring out the other time. That sometimes I'm gonna ask this part to take a s- seat. Sometimes, mm-hmm. and yeah. like I think that's the thing that John is doing. He's very, he's being very intentional to the audience that he is right. talking to, yeah, and exactly trying to um, truly like engage a specific people group right. who are gonna hit, hone in on specific details. And I think the other gospels have a whole other audience, whole different points and uh-huh. like going mm-hmm. in not and sharing those things, it is not important. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's just, it does not serve
0: yeah. the it takes purpose. It to
1: Mariana's
2: sermon, um, I don't know, several weeks ago from John, when you mentioned John 20, 30 and 31, the purpose statement of John. Uh-huh. You know, these signs in order that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Mm -hmm. and that believing you might have life Uh in his name. That's part of John's purpose, or that is his purpose statement. And so he is telling the story to keep pointing people back to who Jesus is.
0: And I think that's a great point for us to finish our time, because you end with that question. What would it be different if we really believed yeah. So if the whole oh, point yeah. is that and we
1: believe. Isn't that huge, though? Yes. I, I mean, it's so easy to say, oh, yeah, I believe. But everything I do, I'm Philip.
0: Yeah. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like everything. Yeah. It's
1: just like, wow. How I, I'm i hungry to be a disciple of someone like I truly believe mm-hmm. is the son of God. Yep.
0: Yeah. So... Wow. There you go.
1: Good, thanks.
0: Thank you guys for joining us during this time. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Till next time.